0: All about. All of a sudden you feel like you
1: can't miss.
0: You couldn't make that if you tried that again.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Let's go. Hello
1: and welcome to another episode of Buckets here on the Action Network Podcast feed. We are here for another Friday happy hour episode. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, and I'm excited to be joined today by fellow Action Network NBA analyst, Austin Wang, making his first appearance here on the Buckets podcast. Austin, welcome. How are you today?
0: Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Brandon. Uh, I'm honored to be on the show with you, and I'm excited to talk hoops.
1: Yeah, we're excited. We uh, it, it, we currently are recording live on Wednesday night. It is about third quarter of the Warriors and Blazers game that I have been watching intently on ESPN, hoping for three pointers, hoping for records. We made it to halftime at four. We're at six in the third quarter. I don't think we're going to quite get to sixteen, but the fact that we still don't know for sure is about all you need to know about Steph Curry. <laughs> so, uh, Austin, I just want to make sure we let our listeners know who you are. Just starting out, so why don't you start out just like, what do you do? You know, what do you do for work? What do you do for us at Action? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Okay, so uh, I've been, this is the second season. I've been contributing NBA content to the Action Network. Uh, I'm a CPA by trade. So I have a great appreciation for numbers and analysis. And that's really what I use as a basis for my handicapping, for my articles, for my writing. So uh, those of you that have read my work will definitely see a lot of data-driven analysis. Uh, So that, yeah, that's what I do uh, day to day. Um, Got a lovely family, uh, two young children, uh, a son and a daughter. Uh, they, they keep me uh, energized uh, as well as uh, along with the basketball as well.
1: That's great. How old are your kids?
0: Um, one is one and a half. Uh, that's my younger son. And then my uh, daughter is six.
1: Awesome. Uh, well, Austin, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Cause that will lead into my next question.
0: Sure. It's uh, okay. At a Wang, a W a N G underscore H T X.
1: Yeah. So I was looking at early earlier and I was like, HTX, what is that? Oh, I know what that stands for. So Austin, you are, are you in currently in Houston? Is that where you live?
0: Yes. I was born and raised here in Houston, Texas.
1: So big Rockets fan. I know. Talk to me about your Rockets fan. And did you grow up with those nineties Rockets championships?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It started all at a very young age. That's the way my family bonded when uh, when I was a child and that was to watch Rockets games together. And I was eight years old when the Rockets won their uh, back to back championships. So that pretty much hooked me for life i can't uh get it out of me no matter what so uh other than that growing up in the 90s collected a lot of basketball cards played nba jam nba live i mean everything pretty much revolved around basketball and, and naturally the nba so that kind of led to my rockets fandom my nba fandom and just my love for basketball in general
1: awesome yeah well austin is our resident totals expert so we're gonna get to totals in a second but seeing as how the houston Rockets are currently on a seven game and counting perhaps (laughs) by the time you listen to this win streak, we'd be remiss if we don't at least talk about the Rockets for a minute or two here. So this is a totals podcast. We'll get back to that, but Austin seven games, seven wins. You were what? One and 15, one in 16 before that.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm so excited, like going into the season, you know, such low expectations. I went in, I went into each game thinking, if the Rockets could just cover the spread, then uh, <laughs> I'd be satisfied because we're outperforming market expectations. So I was at the game uh, against the Chicago Bulls when we first got the win, and Uh, We were double digit underdogs and we won outright, obviously, and like just the crowd, everything you go in with such low expectations and they pull out such a gutsy win and it just, you know, it was so exciting and fun to watch, you know, after years of, uh, you know, watching the James Harden Rockets succeed in the regular season, but just disappointing, you know, just kind of going in with low expectations. It's just been so fun to watch these young guys play. And Shen Goon, like he's he's one of my favorite players yeah. watching him, just his footwork, his passing, his vision. It's been really exciting.
1: Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys you fall in love with watching him. He's He's got so much talent and he's just audacious. He just tries mm-hmm. anything that he wants is on the table and like yeah. he can do it too, which is what's great about it. So it's a fun team fun team to watch especially now that the games are a little more watchable and that they're hanging in there um so yeah it's definitely a fun team i think i saw online you you probably know this february 2nd i believe is when the houston rockets can play for the 34th win in a row and break the nba record so we're we're down seven we got 27 to go so Maybe this will be a record podcast. Maybe Steph will break the record <laughs> while recording, and then we'll come back to this when Houston hits the record in February. What do you think?
0: Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. We already have a 22-game <laughs> win streak uh, you know, uh, in the franchise, so first beat that, and then we're going for the league-wide record as well.
1: Yeah, Tracy McGrady, I think, is one of the genuinely all-time underrated great players, especially modern great players. I think we put too much stock into – you know, his playoff thing. Dude was a legit scorer that could do anything. And for like a six-year peak when he was on the court, he was good as any, you know, two or three players in the world.
0: I agree. Yeah, absolutely. He was just a joy to watch. But unfortunately, yeah, injuries got the best of him. And uh, likewise for Yao Ming. And, you know, there was a period of time that year when we had Mac, Yao, and Ron Artest. That, you know, Skola, that team was <laughs> so much fun. And, yeah, just... Injuries prevented us from going all the way, but I really felt that 09 was our year.
1: Yeah. shangun has got some skull in him just with his creativity and kind of that, that international flair about him. So I could see that, you know, getting another skull on the roster.
0: That's a great comparison. I like, well,
1: let's get into the totals. So I wanted to have you on because I don't do a lot of totals. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a math guy. I don't know a lot about the totals. So I'm hoping that you can help me and help our audience learn a little bit more about totals. So I know you largely play totals more than sides more than crazy 200 to one steph curry props like me so what is it about totals that you love like why do you like to bet them so much
0: absolutely uh, and don't get me wrong i do like playing sides i play sides all the time but i just personally yeah, i do find it easier to forecast predict totals and try to figure out on a given nba night which team is going to show up and you know last minute injuries that can impact that but generally even if there's injuries or if a team doesn't, you know, show up to play, teams still have a style of play, whether it's a, a slow or fast pace and their general quality of their offense or defense that fundamentally stays the same. So to me, it kind of uh, figures out like a, a math equation. So that's that's generally why I like playing totals.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Very appealing to me, too. i in the end, as the resident props guy at Action Network, that's kind of how I see it too, is it's a math equation. You can really like look and study the numbers and see where the trends are going and the, the mean and the the median outcomes. And really just kind of, you know, all my math nerd college classes coming home to roost <laughs> in the NBA gambling world, just like I was expected them to.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: Well, let's talk about the process a little bit then, because it sounds like maybe a similar process to the math side of what I'm doing here. But to start with, what are the key factors that you're looking at to start out when you're looking at trends, over, unders, uh, totals?
0: Right. So um, I may be oversimplifying this, but at its most basic level, I think, you know, if you wanted to model or or start with a, a baseline to come up with the totals, I think there's three key inputs. One is pace. Um, the number of possessions in a game the other is offensive efficiency the number of points scored per 100 possessions Uh, defensive efficiency number of points allowed per 100 possessions and so those three inputs you can you know put together uh, you know forecast what the pace will be for a given game um, and use the offensive efficiency and, and defensive efficiency numbers to come up with a projected score for each team and so how do you forecast and model that effectively uh that's sort of the tricky part right um you know there's lots of other external factors that you want to factor into uh, your day-to-day process um so other factors i like to consider are you know the three-point percentage three-point defense you know three-point volume is still high in the league even though sort of overall offense has been dipping this year um fatigue rest Assist to turnover ratio, that's one uh, that uh, predictive metric that I found to be successful mm. in looking at totals that I reference quite often in my articles. And you know injuries and scheduling, those are other yeah. uh, key factors in what affects my day-to-day handicapping and process. So
1: w- without giving away the secret sauce, is there a formula that's set up that's automatically adjusting for some of these extra factors that you mentioned or is that like a manual process where you've got a few of the key things, and then you know at the end of the night or top of the morning, you're like, okay, well, I noticed this team is on a back-to-back, so let me adjust accordingly. Like, what's that part of the process like for you?
0: So there's some of that that's automated. So for instance, if there's a back-to-back or um, if if they've had a tough road schedule, that sort of factored into the model and the calculation and the formulas. But as you know, I'm big into the sports data query language. Uh, There's certain systems, um, there's certain situational trends that I look at uh, that, you know, I'll run uh, day to day to see if they're active on the games that I play. And then I'll make, yeah, most of those times, if they're active, I'll make some manual adjustments to my numbers. But uh, for the most part, all the other ones are, are just uh, automated, um, especially with the back-to-back, and then yeah. injuries. Uh, injuries will uh, also, you know, uh, be a manual calculation as well.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So I know this is going to be an overgeneralized question, but just very broadly speaking, just for for the listeners' sake, if I look at a total on a given day, what would be like two or three of the most obvious factors to you that you would say, okay, this is an obvious reason that I might think about an under here, like. Well, among the different factors that you said, what one of those stats or scheduling thing, or like what would be a couple specific reasons that an under might pop?
0: Uh, well, one specific situational uh, trend or system is that when two really good teams are playing against each other, and typically I define it as 60% or more, and these teams are playoff teams. Um, they are competitive and they want to come to play against an, a fellow uh, playoff yeah. team and obviously seeding is going to matter so I think what they'll do is they bring more defensive intensity they play a little harder and that just lends to uh, a lower scoring game uh, more playoff intensity uh, so those marquee matchups between the league's best teams um, I always you know shade a little bit more to the under.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What about one example of the other direction? What's a scenario that automatically shades toward an over then?
0: I think when you look at the stats, like teams with that play at too fast pace, like you know the Grizzlies of the league, the Hornets, uh, good offenses, bad defenses, those are all key factors in, yeah. in, uh, in looking at overs.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And w- one interesting thing is if you take a look at – last year's totals and numbers it's been a fascinating shift from the prior year last year we were seeing numbers regularly into the 240s but you know (laughs) they were laying totals 230 235 240s and you know to you know the average person looking at these numbers they're like this is just ridiculously high you know I, i gotta bet the under right uh but they were hitting at an you know a ridiculous rate i think it was like around 58 or 60 percent if the total was over then 235 236 they were hitting at like a overs were hitting at a 58 percent rate wow a lot of times you got to take that cognitive bias out um <laughs> and say okay yeah you're, yeah you're thinking that this total is too high but in reality look the It's that high for a reason. And these teams are going to run and they're going to put up points now.
1: Yeah. The season's a little different. Yeah. Just like anywhere else, you know, the books know the cognitive bias that we have when we look at this, they know the trap that we're going to fall into. So they know we're going to look at it and be like, Whoa, that's a high number. That's got to be an (laughs) under or Holy cow. Only like two (laughs) Oh three tonight. That's an easy over. They know, they know that's what we're thinking. So you got to be careful with some of those things too. So yeah, let's talk about this season. So if you haven't done so yet, make sure to check out Austin's articles. He's doing a weekly article. So every week in our Slack, I think on Sunday night, Austin pops in this awesome chart that has like each week, the data, the trends, the pacing, the over under record. And that whole chart goes right into that article for all of you guys to take a look at as well. So I know that this has been a wild season comparing the first month that was extreme on one end, and then it's really pushing back the other end. So uh, give me the snapshot. Like, what's the season look like as far as totals and over-unders so far?
0: Sure, sure, yeah. Like I said, it's been a fascinating uh, shift because as from, like, 2015 onward, you know, totals – Um, Points scored per game kept progressively going up and up. And then all of a sudden, we've got a huge shift downwards. Last year, uh, the average points scored per game was 223.9 points per game. And the average closing total was 224. Now you compare this season and the average points scored per game is 215. And the average total is 216. So it's around that 215 and 216 range. And as for over-unders, it's currently 167 overs, 197 unders. And so that's 45.8% to the over. And so uh, at first, like you mentioned, the unders were hitting at a just astronomical rate because they were opening up the season with, totals based on priors and uh, last season's data and so they're opening up with totals at 223 and you know the scoring was really low for a variety of reasons I think you know the new rules that were implemented less fouls were being called Um, you know I think fatigue uh, plays a big factor into it these teams played a really uh, condensed uh, season last year with lots of back-to-backs some of these teams that went deep in the playoffs then went to Uh, play for the Olympics, Uh, fans back in the arenas, you know, having 20,000 people, their presence in an arena will certainly affect your style of play. So uh, a couple different factors.
1: Yeah, I noticed we're hitting all sorts of unders early on. I was (laughs) playing around with our Bet Labs tool and just kind of like trying out some combinations. Mm -hmm. I found one, I think on Halloween. It was like the last day of October, 1st of November. And I found a trend that was so ludicrous that I assumed it was an error until I tested it out a couple of days. <laughs> and it was something like, in a game for, the, for this season, if the first half had gone under the first half line by 10 or more points, the second half under was 26-1-1 and for the season so far. And I was like, wow. all right, well, we must need to update the data. Like, what what am I missing here? Like, is this the second half from before the game? no, no, no. The data was all right. We were hitting so many unders. And then when we were getting them anyways, and the first half went under, it was this Mm. immediate telltale sign. And so I started playing it. And of course that's when the regression started to come as it (laughs) always does. Regression comes for us all. And I started to adjust my trend. Okay. Well, first half under by 10 or more points, but at least 90 points combined. So it's not just, Mm. it was going to be way under And then it kept going that way, but like, oh, you know, they, they scored enough points. The books haven't adjusted too much. That one went pretty well for a while. And that started to fade a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I bumped it Mm -hmm. again, 97 points, combined 97 points and 10 under. And at that point, that one was 18 and 0. And I believe the last I checked were 0 and 6 on the streak on that one. So all that is to say the under trend has been fading and we're at overs now. So talk to me about overs. Uh, When did the switch happen you know, I'm sure it's been gradual, but like what's pushing it, do you think, toward the overs lately? Yeah,
0: so it started two weeks ago. So okay. um, so the week starting in November 22nd, the week before Thanksgiving, that week overs hit at a rate of uh, 30 uh, and 22 to the over. is 57.7 percent. The week after last week it went 27 and 20. Uh, one push for 57.4%. So that's two consecutive weeks where the overs have outpaced uh, the unders. And I mean, overall, it's a combination of the offense has been improving. The offensive yeah. efficiency has increased over the last few weeks. The three-point shooting is, uh, is increasing as well. We saw a few weeks earlier on in the season that teams are shooting like 34% from the three, way below what, you know, they've been shooting the last several seasons. And we're seeing like, Usually it's been like 36, 37, but uh, over the last two weeks, including this so far this week, it's it's up to about 36% just for those two weeks, which is in line with, um, which is aligned with the previous seasons. So you're starting to see the three-point shooting improve. You're starting to see um, offensive efficiency improve. Uh, one thing I noticed was that there were slightly more free throws and fouls being called, so maybe mm. uh, the the refs aren't swallowing their whistles as much as they did earlier on in the season when they're making a concerted effort to yeah. uh, to enforce these rules. So all those factors combined, plus you know the books have adjusted and now making those totals lower uh, to align with you know what what the teams have been scoring. But now that the offense is steadily improving. Uh, I think we could still see some overs for maybe the next week or two before uh, the books adjust once again, like they always do. (laughs)
1: Those those darn books. They're always out trying to take (laughs) our money away from us. Uh, Yeah, that was my next question. I was going to ask, like, are we on over mode now for a while now or or how long until it adjusts? But kind of the pendulum, you know, it goes a little bit back and forth, it sounds like. You talked about, like, the offense kind of catching up, hitting stride a little bit, the shooting Mm. hitting stride. Do you expect – like when we talk about overs for a couple of weeks and then maybe it starts to catch up, is that because the offenses and the shooting will have plateaued or is it because the books will have started to readjust their lines for it? And we'll, we'll keep seeing some of that improvement happening.
0: Yeah. I think the latter. I, um, okay. I think, you know, the books had adjusted the totals to be lower and uh, with, the scoring steadily increasing. You'll see a small window of opportunity because the gap is pretty much closed between the actual scoring versus the market totals. I mean, you're, if you compare week one, you're looking at the average closing total was in 223, 224, and you know the average scoring was down in 216, 217, and slowly, you know, week by week, that gap started to close. So now we can see that the average point score per game. Uh, And the market total is hovering around that 215, 216 range. Uh, But if the offense is continuing to improve a bit, then, you know, we can see an increase in scoring, but it won't be long before the market adjusts itself. So, I mean, I think there's a small window of opportunity that um, at this rate overs can I think there's still opportunity for some overs to hit. But like I said, not for long,
1: (laughs) not for long, but we've got a window here. Uh, who are the teams that even as these overs have swung in our direction what teams are still dragging things down are there still teams over these last couple weeks that are really crushing the unders
0: can you guess which team has the most unders in the nba
1: so i think that i've seen so i'm going to guess that still is true that the lakers are it is it la
0: Okay, no, the Lakers are um, more to the over, but I was Uh, saying more to the under um, is the uh, Golden State Warriors.
1: Ah, yes, that makes sense, because we think of the Warriors all wrong. We think of the Warriors as this high-flying, gunning offensive team, Mm -hmm. and it's their defense that's been historic so far. So it makes sense that, you know, you want to bet on Steph Curry points. You want to bet on him breaking the record, by the way, 6 of 17, early fourth quarter. (laughs) And it's not fun betting against Steph Curry making points, mm-hmm. so that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yep, absolutely. Their defense just incredible this season. Um, I mean, sort of looking at their trends, they're nine three and one uh, to the under in their last 13. Um, they are hitting the unders at uh, the highest rate uh, in the league. So, um, 70% to the under.
1: Wow. Well, you know, I uh, probably should have factored that into my Steph Curry to make 16 threes in a game that they would maybe go under. This game uh, certainly is looking under with Portland here. What about that Memphis OKC game? You know, the 73 point blowout. How much, especially relatively early in the season, does that screw up the numbers? Like, is that an outlier that you have to kind of ignore? Or is that not that
0: big of a deal? Um, I don't think I look at it that way um I I think I overall I'm looking at at a macro level uh averages on a macro level when I'm doing this type of analysis but when you look at it team by team yeah those types of scoring performances from the Memphis Grizzlies and the OKC Thunder yeah you've got to make some adjustments there and and especially for those extreme outliers right so sure um so that's definitely well, something you have to take into consideration.
1: Yeah. So we know that probably at least for a bit that we're leaning toward overs here, but I want to get dig into your article a little bit before I wrap up here, talk about some specific teams. So uh, some teams that might be actionable in these coming weeks. And of course this is never evergreen. This is actionable for a week or a couple of weeks. And then the trends start to catch up again. So again, we're recording on Wednesday, December 8th right now. So we've got data through the night before. So I know that last week or in your article, you had written about the Hornets and Rockets last week. So talk to me about what was the angle you were looking at with them and how did that go for you last week?
0: Right. So the Charlotte Hornets had already been hitting um, a lot of uh, a huge streak of overs. But the main driver for me thinking that they will continue was the absence of Mason Plumlee. Uh, So Plumlee got injured. And in turn, they were playing, uh, his minutes were replaced by PJ Washington. And so, you know, that combination led to, you know, worse defense, better offense and a faster pace. So I had no doubt in my mind that, you know, that combination would continue to yield overs, especially for the next week. They had some very favorable matchups against some teams with uh, not so good defenses, including the Houston Rockets. So I thought the overs would be a good look um, for the Charlotte okay. Hornets. And they ended up going four and zero to the over. So I was really pleased with All that. Right. Uh, Houston Rockets, same um, sort of the same concept where they had at the beginning of their win streak, they had benched uh, Daniel Dice and, uh, you know, moved uh Christian Wood back to the center position, Jay Shantae to the power forward, and that really opened up the spacing for um, some of the three-point shooters on the team, Garrison Matthews, Armani Brooks. I mean, they already played at the fastest pace in the league, so now add in some more efficient offense, and I thought that uh, they would have a good opportunity to have some high-scoring games, and they went three and one to the over. So those are the types of angles I look at, especially with injuries, right? Because kind of going back to Charlotte Hornets as an example, um, last season, I going the other way uh there was uh cody zeller got injured and so he was replaced in the lineup by bismack biombo and so right then and there i'm like okay their offense is going to suffer their pace <laughs> is going to slow down and their defense is going to uh improve uh yeah. but you know the market books were still seeing the hornets uh as a high scoring team uh we're laying out uh quite Uh, large totals so i use that opportunity to find those market inefficiencies and hit on some unders there
1: yeah i like that seven and one is a pretty profitable week so we do more (laughs) of that you'll you'll be a frequent guest we're getting hit seven and one every week (laughs) so let's talk about the two that you had this week then as we wrap up so i know you got the raptors in heat it looks like one team you're trending over and one you're going under on so let's talk about the over first since we've been over centric who's your overs team for now
0: so similar to uh, OK, so the Raptors, um, similar to the Heat, the Heat set the tone early in the season with their stifling defense and and grinded out style of play. And so they started off the season four and one to the under, but then completely did a 180 and have gone 14 and five uh, to the over since then. So the market continues to expect these low scoring games out of the heat and, and price their totals as such. So, but now with Bam Adebayo out for a few weeks and and Jimmy Butler dealing with injuries of his own, you know, their defense is really going to suffer. And, you know, without, in in the absence of Butler, you get more playing time for Tyler Hero. um, And I think it just improves their offense overall, makes their defense worse. And uh, I think there's a good opportunity for them to continue their overs.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially with Bam out and, uh, you know, Jimmy a little bit banged up as well. So heat overs. We like that. What about the Raptors?
0: The Raptors. So uh, Raptors have been quite the enigma this season. They (laughs) They started off (laughs) (laughs) with the defensive first attitude and, you know, one of the league's. Most fear defenses, and just sort of after a, a couple of weeks, it, it all changed. So, I, I did some research, and in the seven games during the month of October, the Heat had the seventh best defensive rating in the league. But in the month of November, they were the worst defensive team in the entire NBA. So, you know, the absence of Ananobi and, um, you yeah. know, Hurt and Siakam's return, you know, may have helped their offense, but uh, not so much their defense. So, uh, definitely appears that over the last week and a half, they've they've been addressing and uh, correcting these defensive deficiencies. So um, last week, all three of their games went under. Okay, uh, their offense still hasn't looked great. Uh, they scored 102 points last Sunday, but you know didn't break 100 points in the four games before. Uh, so I like them to um, continue with the unders. They their game went over tonight, uh, but uh, I think with their recommitment to their defense, I think that uh, low scoring games are in the future for the Toronto Raptors.
1: Yeah, they've been a hard team to get a good read on. They're, they're kind of all mm. over the place and it doesn't help that they can't get consistent lineups with the injuries that they have coming and going. So it makes yeah. sense that their profile is continuing to mm. shift a little bit as well. So heat overs, Raptors unders, that's the direction that we are looking uh, these next few games, maybe a few weeks mm. if we if we get on a roll here. But, oh, one other thing I want to ask you before we head out Do you see any trend? You know, we've got these kind of COVID games. You know, with the way that we're in pandemic now, where suddenly four, five, six guys are missing from a lineup. Have you found any clear trend just from the last season and a half of when these teams are super shorthanded? Does it tend to especially lean over or under, or is there not really a strong trend that you've seen?
0: I haven't noticed a strong trend. Your I think natural intuition says under. Yeah, uh, right. That's what I was thinking. Um, with the Hornets, I thought that when LaMelo Ball and Terry uh, Rozier uh, were you know, out with health and safety protocol, I immediately thought, okay, well, they're still going to hang these high totals, but I, I definitely think that without their point guard, uh, who's such a key player yeah. in their offense, um, I thought they would uh, struggle to score, but no, lo and behold, they came out and they were, they scored just fine, and and their defense was still equally as bad, and they, uh, yeah, they <laughs> blew that total out of the water um, against the uh, the Hawks uh, this past yeah this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so I, I guess so like, I haven't
0: noticed any trends. Yeah,
1: I suppose like, like you know like any of your other trends, if the you know if suddenly it sweeps through and Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond are out then you probably mm. should act accordingly on the information and instead if all the guards and the fast players are out, then maybe go the other way. So
0: exactly.
1: You kind of follow the same logic from your other picks. So that makes a lot of sense. So we're going with some overs going forward. Overall, we're trending that way. We're looking for heat overs, we're looking for Raptors unders, and we are appreciative of, uh, of the knowledge you've dropped on us today, Austin. So be sure to check out Austin's articles. When do they come out? Are They're early in the week, right? Monday, Tuesday?
0: Monday, Monday. Monday. Yep. So, yeah, I update them through Sunday's game. So that's sort of the threshold for every single week. And then we release it uh, on Monday morning.
1: All right. So check for Austin's articles Monday mornings. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Buckets. Make sure to watch on Monday for the fantasy episode here on the feed with Adam Koffler and Dan Titus. Tuesday, I'm back with Matt Moore and Raheem Palmer for The Big Picture. Wednesday workshop with Matt and Raheem and then Friday as always another happy hour episode for Brandon Anderson and Austin Wang this has been the Buckets podcast have a great weekend and let's get Buckets